Here, no one. It's been a while since I got on the podcast, but I actually was just dealing with some personal stuff. My aunt passed away, so that was very, it's been very trying times. So I know episode four, I said I was going to have Red Blaze on, but we're going to have her on another time. Um, this time, I just wanted to come on the podcast and to be honest with you, just vent. Um, but I want to start off with just thanking my listeners, um, just for always listening. I appreciate that. I appreciate the follows. I appreciate the the Facebook group growing and the, the Instagram page growing. And I just appreciate the love on Apple, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, um, and CastBox. So thank you guys so much. I want to start off today with this. So I got this email from this gentleman's name is Mark Senadea. And I'm sure Mr. Senadea doesn't know who I am, but he he sent it to me because I followed the group Letters. And it was really cool. I did tweak it a little bit, so it's not verbatim what he said in his email, and it would have been way too long. But it was something sent to me on Memorial Day weekend and he starts off with Joni Mitchell's big yellow taxi with its course says don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone feels like a lot of what we've got is now gone did we appreciate it enough what we had just a few short months ago we had the strongest labor market of our lifetimes perhaps the best economy too we've been at peace for more than a decade the world was producing fascinating wonders, self-driving cars, the total of all knowledge available at our fingertips. The ability to speak with anyone on the planet, anywhere, anytime. We lived in a time that every person in history before us would have traded places in an instant. For many of them, it would have seemed an incredible utopia. Were we sufficiently grateful for it all? We can look back in January and wonder at the trivial things we let consume us. Why did we spend so much time clutching after things that don't matter? Why were we fools, taking our good fortune for granted? And so, our good luck ran out. A plague has killed more than 100,000 Americans in just two months. The horrible tragedy has transformed us from fools into solemn serious prisoners in our own communities. The superficial distractions of January had fallen away and they've been replaced in our lives. Family, fate, friends all seem more meaningful now that we've got, now that what we've got is gone. Let us be thankful we have been taught a lesson of loss. Let us take from it a lesson in gratitude. For what can you be thankful for today? The kids sleeping safely in bed, the internet's working, Zoom calls with friends, the backyard grill, the beginning of summer. Perhaps you can start with the smallest thing you have to be thankful for and give thanks for it, and then the next one is in the next and the next. And maybe you can allow your entire day to fill with joy for the small things. The smell of cut grass, the twinkle of your spouse, your kid being a buffoon, the sound of your parent's voice too distant over a video call were heard nonetheless. After 2020, I suppose we should add those who defend us against enemies, microscopic. My favorite part, by the way. 
We can be tremendously grateful to the nurses and doctors and hospital janitors and ER desk staff who have gone to war this very morning. I can't imagine the feeling or the fear they experience in lacing their shoes in the mornings, knowing what they know about this killing disease, seeing that their colleagues are dying, prevention is imperfect, and that every day may be the day their good luck runs out. He goes on to say, I can't imagine any word to adequately describe that person who ties their shoes and stands up straight and walks out their front door and into a hospital today to do their job. I can't imagine any word other than hero. It's probably the bravest thing we'll see in our lifetimes. This day, let's make ourselves a promise to never take it all for granted again. Let's go down on bended knee and make a bargain. This time, we promise it will be different. When our incredible utopia returns, we won't squander our great gifts. We won't fritter our talents and time on trifles. We won't, we won't pursue the meaningless amusements of January. But sadly, and sadly it is, we're humans. We forget when this is passed, we'll most likely go back to our foolishness, pettiness, and ingratitude. But also, wonderfully, we're humans. And we learn, maybe this time can be different. Maybe this time we can be inspired by the nurses and doctors and genders, by their heroism, by their duty, by their example. And in addition to their example, we can be inspired by all of those who made our utopia possible over decades and years past. Despite its plague and its isolation and its quarantine and its year of lean, following our years of plenty, Maybe 2020 have been worth it after all. I know I'm rooting for 2020. So I read this, and again, the gentleman who sent this email to me is Mr. Mark Sinandea or Sinandela, probably chopping up his name. And he is the founder and CEO of The Ladders Organization. I thought it was a really good opener for today's podcast because I want to talk about gratitude. I want to talk about gratitude because, well, my aunt just passed away and it was heart-wrenching. It was so heart-wrenching knowing that she's in Toronto. I was just in Toronto last year, fall, saying goodbye to another aunt on my mom's side. And this is the third sister. And so I heard that when she was on her deathbed, this particular aunt that died a few weeks ago, she said, mommy, meaning my mom, or Val, and Auntie Kitty, <laughs> or Elmas, it's my other aunt, was sitting by her bedside waiting for her. How sad. Well, what's sad is that she had to lie there and she couldn't really have anyone holding her hand to say goodbye. These are not normal times, guys. I dropped off a friend at the hospital recently who had to go to the ER and I couldn't even walk him in. I couldn't even stay with him. I couldn't even hold his hand or laugh with him and talk with him in that long waiting room. And it's, and he just went in for something different, but I, my aunt was dying. She was dying. She was on her last breath. She was going to die alone, and I can't imagine that. And okay, she's gone. And that was hard 
But then 10 people were allowed at her funeral in Toronto. Mind you, I'm in Washington, D.C., so even if I wanted to be one of those 10, I couldn't. And so I threw it out there for us to do a Zoom memorial service. In Jamaica, we have something called a dead yard, right? So dead yard is when someone dies three days straight, you're there knocking the drum pond and, you know, you eat fish, fish fried up so crisp. You can eat the bones all the way through with some onions and habanero or scotch bonnet, as we like to call it. And we believe in a celebration of life. And this goes on for three days. When my mom died, it went on for two weeks. And it's the same kind of thing when we all die, right? So we believe in celebration. It's our culture. It's our spirit. It's our people. Us Jamaicans love to party even in death or even when it's death. And so this was incredibly saddening because there was no way that we would get to say goodbye to her. So we started these late night calls and I'm exhausted, mind you. This is why I haven't been able to do a podcast because, well, we've been on these late night calls doing stupid things, talking, laughing, getting in touch with London or England, I should say, Jamaica, Seattle, Washington, Toronto, Connecticut, New York. DC. And so we were just all talking, having a good old time. I'm sure there was feuding in there sometimes. It's family. We always feud, don't we? But we're family, so we always find our way back to not feuding, of course. But just going back to gratitude and going back to these tragedies or these little tragedies, it's like we realize in times like these just how important it is to be grateful we don't want it to be that we notice what we have when it's gone and that seems to be going around a lot lately you know it's like I see that in my neighborhood I see that with my family I see that with my friends and I see that just in in people who are just so unkind and so cruel I can't even begin to talk about what's going on out there with the racial stuff and we'll get to that I just want to finish up to say that we had a Zoom funeral for my aunt and we were able to all just kind of got on board and say goodbye to her. I never thought in a million years I'd have a Zoom funeral or I'd be on a Zoom call having a funeral of a loved one. Because when someone dies, you just get there. That's what you do. No matter what's going on in your life, you pack it up. You pack your bags, you fly to where you need to fly, drive to where you need to fly, drive, and just get there. And for the first time in our lives, we just couldn't get there. And that was incredibly sad. And I think it's also humbling. And I hope that, I hope that what he said in here about us going back to who we are just because we're humans, is not where we're headed back to. And for me, it's why I wanted to talk about gratitude. I know that I'm grateful for a lot in my life. I'm grateful for great friends, for great family, for great just people in general who have come across. I'm grateful for my career. I'm grateful for my life and all that I've accomplished. And I'm grateful to God for just, you know, just being there in some tough times and I am super grateful 
that I I've been fortunate to live the life I to lead the life I've lived. And so I just want to make sure I say that. And then I also want to talk about cruelty and human cruelty in particular. I look at these situations that are happening in the news and it's one thing to be going through a pandemic then to also see that people are still being prejudiced. People are still, have, we're still going through this madness. Black men being killed. I mean, how can anyone ignore that? I was talking to a friend today and we were just talking about the craziness that's going on and how we need good leadership and how at this point it's so crucial to have good leadership. But I am sitting there and I'm talking to him and I said this to him and I, I want to repeat it here because I think it's so crucial. I don't think everyone realizes the kind of contention that we has, as African-Americans or black people have. And, you know, I say black people because I'm not African-American. I was not born here. I was born in Jamaica, so I can't be African-American, right? I'm black or I'm mixed with black or whatever. Whatever you want to call me, that one drop rule, I am black. So I want to say this, and this is what I said to him. I said that just imagine bringing a child into this world. Imagine have to have to talk with this child. Imagine sitting there and, okay, you want to tell your girl about the, I don't know, let's, let's face it, her period. You want to tell your guy, your boy about the birds and the bees. You want to talk about condom use. You want to talk about babies. You want to talk about protection. You want to talk about all of that. You want to talk about being a man, being a woman. But just imagine there's another thing that we have to add to that talk. We have to add what it's like to be a black woman, a black child, a black man growing up in America, growing up in this world. The world is not going to be kind to you. The world is going to treat you as if you're second rate. It doesn't matter if you come from an Ivy League school, if you have an MBA, if you went to a public Ivy school for your undergraduate degree. Yes, I was describing myself because that's who I am. I am smarter than the next person in the room. I am just as smart as the next person in the room. And I may be not as smart as the next person in the room, but for once I want to be judged just based on my smartness or my skill and not on the fact that my the color of my skin. Instead of my skill, I want to be judged by the color. I instead of my by the by the by my skill, excuse me, I'll say it again. Instead of the color of my skin, I want to be judged by my skill. Or as Martin said, by the content of our characters, by the way we present ourselves. And I have tears in my eyes right now because I know I've been there. I've been called a nigger when I, all I wanted to do as a child in Gardner, Massachusetts was play with my neighbor's white kids. I didn't see race. I was just trying to have some fun. But yet someone was like, I don't want any niggers in my yard. When I was on, on campus, 
at Yukon. My roommate, first day I walked in, this girl took up three quarters of the room. We had loft beds and she took it down and she said, oh, I have a condition, I sleepwalk and I can't be on the loft of the bed. And I looked at her, she was white, and I said, okay, but then maybe you should room somewhere else because there's no reason why I should get a quarter of the room. I should get half, just like anyone else. I'm paying half of this room, I want half. I just want my part. And she went to the RA and she told her that I was intimidating and I made her uncomfortable. The RA was white. When I went to Yukon, it was 92% black. So chances are everybody's gonna be white. <sighs> or most people, I should say. When I went, when the RA came to me, she immediately was on the other girl's side. She didn't listen to my side. She was like, you know, I think you're gonna have to leave this room because you're making her uncomfortable, you, you're intimidating her. And I looked at her and I said, on the basis of what? Because I'm black, is that what makes me intimidating? Because people who know me know that I am always glowing, I'm always happy, I'm always shining, I'm the friendliest person in the room and I will get along with everyone. Yes, I can be a bitch, I've been a bitch, I've been a bitch. But I was not a bitch to this girl for demanding what is mine. And so she came in and she was on her side. We had a mediation and her parents came. I didn't have my parents there. I didn't have such luxuries. And so the, the mom, the dad was nice. The mom was rude. The mom was like, you know, my daughter needs to get back to learning. And I looked at her and I said, so do I miss, so do I. That's all I'm actually trying to do. This has gone too far. The only thing I wanna do is come home and be at peace in my dorm so that I could study and learn and get my education and leave just like your daughter. That's all I'm trying to do. And okay, some may say, well, what's wrong with this story? Why is it racial? It's racial because I'm not intimidating just because I'm black. That is bullshit. Nothing I said was intimidating except the fact that I wanted half the room which belonged to me, which I'm paying for. Absolutely nothing wrong with fairness at all. And then after that, in the workplace, I have to work so hard, twice as hard. I have to come out on top. I have to bust my ass more than the next person just because I'm black and because I'm female and because I'm from another country and I have an accent and everything is against me. But I fight, I push, I get through and somehow I'm still at the level of my career that I've gotten. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful because even though there's this burden on my back, just imagine telling your child everything about the birds and the beasts and I have to also sit him down, tell him you can do everything, but you just have to watch out for being black. Why? Why should I have to tell my child that? Why is that even a contention? Why is that something that I have to do? I, as a child, would look at my mom or my dad and say, that's confusing. How can I be who I'm supposed to be or anything I wanna be 
when I have to worry about being black, that sounds like a restriction to me. I was a curious child. I probably would have asked that. Mommy, that's confusing. What do you mean? What do you mean I have to worry about being black? Wait, I am black? Why can't I be seen as human? Why can't we be part of the human race? Why do I have to be black? Why, why, why? Why is it that this is what we have to do? Why is it that we have to tell these things to our children? There is a problem, there is a problem, there is a problem, there is a problem. There is definitely a problem. Why did that man stand there, that other cop stand there and look at the other man being choked and didn't do anything? Why? Why did that woman in Central Park call the cops and said this man was intimidating? He was just trying to tell her to leash her dog. Leash your damn dog. You should do that. And suddenly, he's intimidating? You're uncomfortable? So you act all intimidated and unsafe? I can't. <sighs> there is so much that I could say. So much that I could actually rap about. I could rap about my own experience, my friend's experience, my guy friend's experience, my nephew's experience, my cousin's experience. Listen guys. This shit is real. I don't care which way you fucking want to slice it. Guess what? Racism isn't something that Martin Luther King and Malcolm X dealt with. It's fucking here. Sometimes I wonder if I'd be better off in slavery days. You know why I wonder that? Because I'm thinking to myself, at least I would know where I stand. If I'm light-skinned, I'm going to be a house nigger. If I'm dark-skinned, I'm going to be picking cotton. I do wonder that at times, would it be better if I lived in that time? Don't get me wrong. I am grateful that Martin died for this. And this meaning I can sit here, I can own a four-level townhome, a luxury car, and I can be content and happy. Those are the privileges that I've been given off of the backs of these people before us, our forefathers, who have fought so hard for us to have equality. This is not equality though. Come on. How many times, people, you walk into an office space and you're the only black person in that office space? How many times you sign up for a job and you get there and you get so excited But then you realize there's nothing to be excited about because you're not in this meeting because they're looking at your skill or you get talked over or the white man in the room comes up with an idea you just said and they heard him and not you. This happens a lot. I don't care what you want to say about this podcast after you hear this, you know it's the truth. Listen, all I'm saying is that I'm sick and tired, I'm sick and tired of this foolishness. I'm talking about a lot here, but I want to go back to gratitude.
for what can you be thankful for? Family, faith, friends. Is that what you're thankful for? Are we going to go back to who we are? We probably are. We're in it, but yet we're still seeing all these other things going on. We're still seeing the hate. We're still seeing the tweets. We're still seeing all the bad things. What we need is good leadership. I'll say that again. What we need is good leadership. Someone to rally us out of the hate mongering that we've been doing. Someone to show gratitude and tell us how to act. Some of us, that is. Most of us probably already know how to act, I think. I know how to act. I've been raised by a woman who told me that whatever it is that you're doing, Marcine, you should do it well. I love that about my mom. That's what I would like to remember about my mom. She was basically teaching me how to be excellent. I'm not excellent. I have flaws. I'm human. But I'm grateful. I'm grateful for this life. I'm grateful for everything. I'm grateful for this podcast. I'm grateful for my listeners. I'm grateful that I could express my feelings the way I'm doing now. I'm grateful that when you hear this, you might hear different things, but you'll listen anyway, and you'll appreciate what I wrote or said, excuse me. Today's episode is episode four because I pushed everything to the side and I wanted to come on and just freestyle, which is what I've been doing. I didn't write this episode. I normally write my episodes. I normally come prepared. I am prepared. I'm prepared to just speak my mind and flow. I'm prepared to talk about my gratitude and what I am most grateful for. I like what Joni Mitchell said. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got until it's gone? I don't want to be that person. I want to be grateful now. I want to talk about the things I'm grateful for now. And that's what I'm trying to do here. So, dear no one, I thank you for listening. I thank you for letting me vent. I'm grateful for everything. And until next time, I'll catch you on the flip side. Oh, just don't forget to be safe. Always practice social distancing. And please, please, please be kind to the people next to you, whether it's your neighbors, your family, or your friends.
Bye for now.